from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. It's a two-pod kind of day. Talked to Joey Wagner earlier today. Thought we were uh, kind of playing with fire there because we thought this news was coming down the pipe. But uh, here we go. Derek Piper joining me live. Welcome to our YouTube audience. Thanks to our live uh, YouTube listeners here. And uh, if you are here, give us a like. Follow us on uh, YouTube. Hit the notifications bell for whenever we do these. Uh, but Derek Piper, here we go. Quincy Guerriere, the Oregon transfer forward commits to the University of Illinois another fifth year transfer commits to Illinois he's joining Marcus Domask from Southern Illinois Justin Harmon from Utah Valley this happened very very quickly Derek um seemed like Illinois knew that they wanted seemed like Quincy Guerriere knew what he wanted and I will say this is proof that prep recruiting still matters in transfer recruiting Quincy Guerriere (laughs) and now Terrence Shannon very big proofs of that Definitely. Pre-established relationships definitely helped that. It's funny that he's now gone to three of the schools that were in his final list coming out of high school. He's been to Syracuse, he's been to Oregon, now he's uh, completed the trifecta by going to Illinois. And uh, as you mentioned, and we've talked about it, Illinois recruited him pretty heavy out of high school. He took an official year uh, as a junior and I guess early maybe his senior year. But uh, Illinois thought they were pretty close there. He He went to Syracuse, stayed closer to home. Syracuse obviously had a good program and uh, goes to Oregon, becomes available, and Illinois once again like really wanted him quite a bit when he was available after two years at Syracuse. So uh, they were plugged in on this one. I think they were pretty prepared when he did hit the portal because, I mean, he wasn't even in there 24 hours, and then he already had a visit scheduled to Illinois. So uh, that's how some of these work. And when you have those type of relationships, when you have the familiarity with the program and – Look, guys are trying to go places where they trust the coach and they trust the fit and they, they want to be able to be utilized by people that know their game. So I think Illinois is able to sell that. They're able to sell uh, a, a definite fit. They're four-man, undersized, small ball five. We can get into to more of what he's going to bring. But, yeah, the connections definitely helped. Brad, similar to Domas, based on what I've heard, has said, we want him. Let's go get it done. Let's make sure he takes one visit and – he did. Similar to Domas, takes one visit and then it's done. So Brad Underwood can can recruit and he can close. And and Derek, just from what you're getting, like, it seems like Brad's pretty dang involved here. Um, yeah. You know, because obviously last year with that roster building, Tim Anderson had his hands all over. Chester brought in some guys, obviously, but it feels like Brad's going to get his guys. Yeah, definitely. It seems that way. Just kind of what's coming out of this off season is that. Uh, not that he hasn't had a lot of input in the past, right. but he's just taken a leading role in some of these. Like 
what you heard on the Damask recruitment is like Brad just pretty much said, let me take this one over. I'll, I'll handle the lead and, and get this thing done because I, I just love him. He saw him on film and was reminded in some ways that Thomas Walkup just wanted to get it done. Similar to Quincy Garrier is like, hey, I, I've recruited this guy plenty. I know him. I know his mom. Uh, I want to make this happen. I think he's a really good fit. And, uh, yeah, he, he's just called his shot. And then I, the I, feel like that's, I, I feel like that's notable. Like, I, I, I feel like it is because, like, one, it shows Brad's conviction in these players. Uh, and, two, I think it matters in recruiting. When you get the head coach doing it, I've talked about this with football recruiting. When Bielma gets involved or when Lovey got involved – it really helps. Um, or not not involved because they're always involved, but just they take the reins of it at times. Like yeah. that 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 makes a huge difference. Well, it sends a statement to the player and the player's family too. Like they know when that head coach is really making that pursuit that there's that relationship, there's that trust. They feel like if they go and play for this guy, that that they'll be able to play that role they want to play, and and that that connection is really important. Not to say that. It hasn't worked in the past where assistants do a lot of the legwork and then Brad maybe comes in really seriously as they, they get to closing time and everything. But there's no doubt that, you know, he's had his fingerprints all over this thing. Uh, he's taken a lot. And I, I'm interested when we finally get to sit down at length with him a little bit longer, maybe as after this thing settles out, is like, you know, what'd you learn from the portal? What'd yeah. you What's different about this pursuit than last year's? And haven't really got a chance to, to do that in a long-form setting. So... Uh, it seems like he's come away with some things, experience obviously being one thing. Uh, and then I think they've done a really good job of just recruiting role players. I, I think that last year you look at the role players, uh, some inexperienced guys, and also obviously bringing Shannon and Meyer, trying to step up into bigger roles. Uh, you're not going to ask these three that you've gotten to do more than really they've done in the past. It's just uh, trying to make it all come together. And so far, at least as far as I can tell on paper, We'll see what happens with Shannon and Hawkins and obviously the point guard. I like how this fits so far. I think that Garrier is another one that just makes sense as a fit. And I am fascinated, Derek, about how good of a job they're doing of adding pieces that don't impact the other potential pieces. Like, they fit with whatever else they want to add here. Like, Coleman Hawkins, we'll talk about this in a bit, but Coleman Hawkins could play with Quincy Guerrier. Like, they don't take away from each other. They can complement each other. Marcus Domas can play with anybody. Uh, including Terrence Shannon. Justin Harmon can play with anybody, including Terrence Shannon or a transfer point guard, like because he's got this versatility to him. I've Just the way this is kind of the dominoes have gone here, I don't know if this is what they planned on doing or if it's just the way it's all shaking out, Derek, but it does, it all kind of fits. Like these puzzle pieces, we'll see how they play on the court. They got to get to get, like, we'll talk about gelling and all those things, but these pieces all fit and it's like, all of it, when it comes into the picture, is going to be fascinating to see what those last couple pieces are. But these pieces fit no matter who they are. Yeah, there's really not overlap and stepping on toes. If Coleman does decide to come back, oh, well, we got Gary A. And, and you're not going to have a, a good mesh between those two or similar to Shannon with, with Harmon or Domask. I think that you look at, you know, Shannon can come back, play the two. Domask can shot on the three. It does help that a number of these guys have that positional versatility. Like Harmon can play the off guard, the combo slide onto the one a little bit, which obviously is important in terms of point guard depth. You got Gary a who can play the four. I mean, he's six, eight, two twenty, And this is going to be a transition for him where at least based on what you heard and you look at some of the defensive numbers, he's kind of out of position last year playing more on the wing at Oregon. And now to 
slot back into the four and even play some five. So uh, I think that's important based on what Coleman's going to do if he's going to be gone. And I know we're going to talk about that. Maybe you do need more of that support at the five and, and you will play some small ball five roles. But I just I think that when you have Harmon and Domas coming from the mid-major level, those guys should be hungry. I don't, I don't expect like huge egos. I think that's been evaluated. Like what are these guys really expecting? What do they want? How hungry are they? What are they driven by? I think they've really tried to tap into that in this this process to make sure that the the vibe fits and, and is good this year. The vibe is not off this year. Yeah. Uh, and I think with Gary A, I mean, he's played a role. He played a role at Oregon. Would he like to maybe get his production up closer to Syracuse uh, his second year when he was a all-ACC third-teamer? Yeah, but he's not someone that has to take a ton of shots. I mean, he's going to – be a physical, dirty work type of guy that can also step out and shoot the threesome. And I, I just like how you've got the role players solidified. You can let the other dominoes fall. And if you got to pivot after, like, if Shannon stays in, you got to go get a big guard that can score, then that works. But you also have insurance policies on the roster, too. All right, Derek, I want to ask you then. Uh, the, the front court we, we can see right now is Quincy Guerriere, Dane Danger, Amani Hansberry. Uh, would be in, involved in that, right? And then we'll see if Coleman Hawkins decides to come back. If he doesn't, I agree with you. You probably go get more of a five uh, and, and let maybe Hansberry play a little bit more four. You can let Goody, Domask play a little bit of four. Uh, but if Hawkins comes back, how do you see Quincy Guerriere fitting into this roster if it included Coleman Hawkins, Dane Danger, Amani Hansberry? The way I see it, I think that Coleman would probably start at the five. I, I would look at it as Coleman at the five and Gary A at the four because I think those guys complement each other really well. With Coleman's length, he's kind of more that stretch big who plays on the perimeter a decent amount offensively, can pass and all those type of things. Gary A can kind of be that interior presence. As you see, he can back some guys down, particularly when he gets a smaller matchup, which maybe he'll get at the four at times. And uh, then he can he can drive you a little bit. I think he play in the dunker spot if you're going to play some of that pick and roll and have him kind of sit there baseline to catch and finish. And also, I mean, they can kind of flip that with Coleman inside out and really you can play five out at sometimes because he can play on the perimeter and, and catch and shoot from three. So uh, you look at last year, Illinois, abysmal from three, catch and shoots, all the three-point analytics they were terrible at. Guerriere has improved year in and year out from three. Now, he was kind of starting at a low baseline when you look at Syracuse early on, didn't shoot it all that great. Last year, 35% on a pretty high volume, like 153s for him that he put up and uh, catch and shoot numbers, like percentage-wise, above average. So they need more of those guys. I think that with Coleman, those two can fit together. I think he can play with Dane. I don't think that's a problem uh, because, again, you got a guy that can spread the floor with his, his shot making on the perimeter. I just really like the the compliment of like a bruising four who can also shoot it some uh, with Coleman, who's kind of that that longer, rangier five man. And without Coleman, I think they would still like you're saying. I think they'd be interested just in general, whether it's a stretch four or a five, like someone with more of that size. Like they wouldn't yeah. have anybody six ten or higher. I think if you get that size and ranginess, maybe a stretch guy, uh, that would still be a venture. I would imagine. If Coleman Hawkins doesn't come back, um, obviously they they count on Guerriere to be even a bigger role. Like I, I I don't know if we're talking about him as a star on the team, but they certainly would be asking a lot more out of him. Same way with Shannon or Damask. Like, what do you think he could could he be the third best player 
on a good top half Big Ten team. He's he's capable of it. Like if you get the sophomore version of uh, of Gary A from Syracuse, like there's no doubt. I mean that was a really productive player that was efficient, that was great on the glass, and I think that that's something that he's capable of doing. Now, yeah, if you get Shannon back, Shannon's a bona fide one, especially in terms of production. Like obviously we've talked about uh, consistency for him, assertiveness, and all, all that kind of thing. If you get him and a point guard, and then if, if Coleman doesn't come back and all of a sudden Gary A or Domas is kind of your three, I think that team can be pretty competitive. I think there's a, a point, a breaking point where you can rely on some depth and yeah. fill that out the rest of the way because Illinois is going to have that, even if Coleman weren't going to be there. Now, I think ideally, again, you'd probably want to go get a, another big man with some size, but even in the circumstance of like Dane's a five, Gary A's a four slash small ball five, I think. Hansberry's in the same category. You can play Ty at the four. If you need to play Domask at the four, you can. You got some dudes that can fill those front court pieces. And it, I think that, yeah, like as far as some development internally, like if Luke takes some steps forward that he mm-hmm. can, Ty takes some steps forward that he can, even at Dane, like after one year under his belt, in that type of sense, if some of those things happen, you can you can have Gary A be your third best player and I think be a pretty competitive team. Yeah, he's former top 75 recruit. As you said, Syracuse sophomore year, averaging 13 and 8. Um, this is a guy who has produced at this level. And I know Oregon wasn't great, but it was an odd fit, right? With with a couple big seven footers. They have three seven footers on that team, yeah. including Khalil Ware, who you have to play a significant role. Uh, it was just kind of an odd fit. So I. I think he's he's making a business decision here, but he also just wants to go to a team where I think he fits a lot better, can be showcased better, but also uh, potentially win more because Illinois has been better than Oregon, uh, or at, least, at least was last year. So makes sense from his perspective too, Derek, of what's he going to be if he's going to be in the league? It's kind of going to be this four-man who can stretch the floor, gets after the glass. Illinois can give him that role. Right. I think from a timing standpoint, it, it makes sense where – Illinois maybe benefited, not to say that they wouldn't have liked to have him the last two years, and we talked about especially two years ago when EJ Liddell was still in the league and you've gone up against Dante Scott. Like He's a good matchup as far as the build for that type of player. Uh, Joey Hauser's another one. Tyler Wall, who he guarded really well in the NIT game. But he was leaving Syracuse thinking like, okay, I got to be more of a wing for my pro aspirations if I want to play in the NBA. I've kind of got to play more on the perimeter and fit into that type of mold. So I think now maybe he's got a better understanding. I mean, he's going to turn 24 next month, and, and he's been around college for now. It's going to be five years. He's probably got a better understanding of, of who he is as a basketball player. And only plays four out, so you can – in some situations, five outs. So you can play him as a four, still let him do some stuff on the perimeter in terms of shooting bas- uh, the basketball. But uh, defensively, like – it hasn't worked well when he's guarding some quicker wings. He's got to guard fours. That's his best matchup. He can battle fives. And I think that like maybe his understanding of his role, what it needs to be, who he is as a player, is probably materialized more. But another note, like if, if he's going to be your third best player, he's got to be more consistent than he was at Oregon. Like his scoring uh, has has been up and down. Like he's had some games. There was two years ago he put 20-plus on a really good Arizona team, one that was a one seed. And, and there's other games where he's scoring single digits. So I, I know he wasn't the focal point there. And like you said, I think the fit, I agree, was kind of weird and wonky. But uh, he's one criticism you could say is 
some of the consistency as a scorer hasn't been there. You're not worried about that as much if he's kind of your fourth or fifth guy. If he's more of a prominent role, then you, you need better from him. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to get to, we got a lot of listener comments. We'll get to those. This won't be an hour-long podcast. That's that's my hope. Uh, Derek, I need to get him uh, back to Cade here. Uh, but um, the people want a podcast, Derek, are yelling at me as I'm sitting there with dinner on Twitter that we got to get this podcast in. I agree with him. Uh, so here we go. Uh, I want to bring this up. Brad Underwood has said for years now, get old, stay old. He did that with Jacob Grandison and Austin Hutcherson, right? And, you know, he's, he's done that here recently with some transfers. But last year they did go more youth. And it always feels like there's a reaction. When Illinois wasn't long and athletic, Brad Underwood last offseason tries to get longer and athletic. When they didn't have enough experience, I think it drove Brad Underwood crazy. He has gotten a ton of experience. So I crunched some numbers here, Derek. Last year they went into the season with 102 career Division I starts. And most of those came from their transfers. Terrence Shannon had 54, Matthew Meyer, 33. Coleman Hawkins had 14, RJ Melendez had one. If they don't even get Shannon or Hawkins back, if it's just Danger, Domask, Harmon, and Guerriere, they'll have 255 career starts. If Shannon and Hawkins both come back, they'll have 386 career Ooh. starts. If you add a transfer fifth-year point guard, which is potential – that's probably a hundred more starts. So that's we're approaching 500 career starts potentially on the high end, but this is going to be an experienced uh, old team that I think obviously when you're older, you're a little bit more mature. You know how these things go. You've been in these battles, even if it's a mid major battle, Derek, those are real college basketball battles and that experience counts. Uh, this team is, is going to be an old team and, the, the downside is you only get them for one year. The upside is it could be a better team, more consistent team. Great research, by the way. I mean, that, that's all. That's a crazy stat. I mean, 500 starts potentially would be insane. Now, now you could go get the, a bunch of starts from Louisville, and they're not good players, right, from this past year. So talent True. still matters, but Quincy Guerriere, Marcus Domask, even Justin Harmon, Dane Dage, those guys have proven themselves as, as good players at this level. No doubt. And all 131 of Gary A's games, I don't know if they're all starts, but he's played that many games at the high major level. Like he's been playing in the bulk of of the ACC and then the Pac-12. So, uh, yeah, there's been a no doubt pivot, obviously, to experience and all in push on this year. I think it 
does have a decent amount. At least it, it goes hand in hand with the idea that Shannon and Hawkins can come back. When you get all league caliber players to add back into your roster and feel like those can be your your pillars and build around them with a supporting cast. And I, I keep going back to it. like last year's supporting cast, you had Dane playing really in his first full season of college basketball. You had Ty, you had guys in the in the point guard mix with Sky and, and Jaden. You just had so much inexperience. Even Luke Goody and RJ Melendez yeah. didn't play a whole lot as freshmen. All of a sudden that pivots and flips and Coleman Hawkins, I would kind of put in that group. I know he had some significant playing time, right? So but still, like, he hadn't played that kind of role. Like, everybody, Terrence Shannon, Matthew Meyer, they're taking on much different roles. Now, Damask, Harmon are going at a higher level, but they're still going to play similar roles. Right. So you get older guys. I've been through the battles, right? Not going to go probably through the roller coasters that freshmen do. You're going to just be more of a consistent, reliable team. And I think that's important. I think Brad can maybe not worry as much about teaching maybe not worry as much even about the the guys that are going to go into the into a hole when they're freshmen and things aren't going their way and their camp starts to get chatty and you don't worry about like Harmon and Domask and and Gary A because this is their year like the, everything is in on this year for them it's it's now or never and you look around college basketball obviously you had some some pretty darn good teams who were very old I mean Texas was one of those that was pretty darn old uh, you look at what UConn did. I know they had a nice blend of guys within that they recruited, and then they blended some transfers that were role players. And I think that's a, a good example, especially if you get Shannon and Hawkins back. But, I mean, Penn State, who didn't have the best regular season, let's let's be upfront about that, yeah. but they were one of the oldest teams out there. Obviously gave Illinois fits. Obviously, you know, looked pretty darn good in the NCAA tournament. And when you get to March, you, you want guys that are, are not going to be rattled and – I think you can get that, even though, you know, Damask hasn't been there and Harmon's played, yes, in the NIT, but not the tournament. It, it's just – but you get that that grown man physicality. You get kind of the urgency of having guys that know it's their last go in, in college and those that have already made this move in the transfer. I mean, they got nowhere else to go. They got to be all in on Illinois. That's right. That's right. Bart Torvik allows you to do these funnel analytics. I think he calls them funnelytics uh, on his site. Um, and it kind of lets you through this offseason kind of plug and place players and see where would they rank efficiency numbers, projected efficiency numbers. Currently, Illinois is at number 49, which would be like a bubble team. This includes Hawkins and Shannon not on the team, no transfer point guard, right? So that's not a terrible foundation if that is your floor right now. Um, add in Shannon and Hawkins coming back, you would be number 24, according to Bart Torvik's numbers. Add just Shannon you'd be number 28. That's, that's, I mean, we'll talk about point guard here. Terrence Shannon is the most important piece of this offseason right now. Add just Hawkins and no Shannon, you'd be number 42. Add Shannon, Hawkins, and a transfer point guard that is one of the higher ranked ones. So I inserted Tyler Perry right now because North Texas, Illinois, I haven't heard attached to him, but I just wanted to put a guy in there because I think that's the level Illinois would get. Is that the mystery point guard? (laughs) No, it is not. This is just random point guard I could put in there. Number 17, Illinois would be. That's a a Big Ten contender uh, if you add all of that back. So if you just get Shannon in a transfer point guard, I should have done that, but I'm sure it's around number 20, 22 or something like that. So... A lot of possibilities still, Derek, but it's it's good possibilities at this point. You, you've added a nice foundation, a nice core here. Definitely, yeah. When you think about 
even that this team as it current currently constructed without the decisions in the NBA could could be a bubble type team could be a team that you know is obviously you know probably just below the halfway point of, of the Big Ten and, and would have a, a chance but there would be some doubt like when you're putting Domask and you're, you're putting Gary A in a position to really be your stars I'd say they can't do it but uh, yeah to get Shannon it shows the impact of him shows how highly respected he is is a one of the best guards in the Big Ten has a chance to be the best guard in the Big Ten if he comes back and Hawkins although I think is still very important but as I was mentioning earlier I think the front court depth that you've kind of established would allow you to to take that blow in, in a sense uh, and, and able to obviously if you want to go make one more addition you, you possibly can but there's a lot on the table I mean if they if they get those three dominoes that are left point guard Hawkins and Shannon to all go their way this could be a really darn good team I mean I know Purdue is still going to be a great regular season team with Zach Eady and yeah. Uh, you, you get a lot of those pieces back and uh, Michigan State's returning a lot. So would it click enough to make a run at the at the Big Ten title? I, I think there'd be an outside chance of that or there would be some kind of chance. They'd be in the mix. Yeah. But I'd feel comfortable in this being top five Big Ten team, pretty good seed. And again, it's a different conversation though when we say when it finally all comes together. I think we've talked about it a lot. Like being able to have Shannon and Hawkins be guys that set the – set the trend that follow follow my lead type of guys Illinois needed that last year and to 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 play off the role pieces they put together right now and do return I I like that a lot yeah this is starting to look like the roster Hawkins would want uh if he wanted to compete especially if Terrence came back uh Dom does his thing man he gets in this chat he, he wants to be upset he tries to get everyone else upset and he said, Shannon Hawkins aren't coming back let's stop talking about it listen they could stay in the draft I've said all along like I don't know if Terrence Shannon's got much more he he can show, but maybe he just wants to come back. Maybe he thinks he can make good NIL money and likes college and wants to to win at Illinois and thinks he can up his draft stock a little bit and help himself get ready. Like Coleman Hawkins has a big decision. Like for me, he's I would need a guarantee if I'm Coleman Hawkins because I think he can really up his stock, but he's got his own decision to make. So acting like you know, um, nobody knows right now. I don't think those guys know. They they probably have their leanings of where they're going but my thing is I think Brad Underwood is building this roster as if he's gonna get one of these guys back as as if he's heard there's a decent chance of that but he also has enough wiggle room that if those guys both stay in he can go try and find another star yeah the approach has been as if you can get one of those guys back that you have a decent chance to get both back and yeah things change I mean there have been guys that have gone in. Obviously, Kofi a couple years ago went in thinking he was staying in, and then he he comes out and, and then he's returning. Io, Io, yeah, same thing. And, and it can work the other way. I know that some around Michigan, I wasn't obviously as tapped in on that, but thought maybe they had a chance with Diabate to get him back before he went through the entire process. Ultimately, he stays in. So some things can sway and change. And uh, I think Coleman and Terrence, I, I think both especially when you get guys that are projected on mock drafts both guys would in a perfect world prefer to stay in mm-hmm. I think that I, I feel safe in saying that Coleman would probably like to do that if he could but there's just so little guarantee uh, I think right now like you mentioned I mean mid to late second round does he even get a two-way deal and, and that's half a million non-guaranteed some guys turn two ways into full guarantees 
and, and stick with the team. And if he wanted to, if he got a word that, hey, you're going to get a two-way deal if you stay in the draft, and he wanted to make that that gamble and that push, then you can you can kind of understand it, I think. Uh, Terrence, as far as where he's mocked, I know it, it varies by outlet, and we, we've talked about this, but if he's a top 40 pick, to me it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to come back, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. I, if I were advising him, I would tell him to stay in, get that guaranteed money, and go. I guess but, it's never a guarantee. That's the thing. Yeah. So, if like, if, if, if Terrence Shannon's having conversations with Icon Collective, which I know he is, um, and there, there's a possibility of making 500 grand, now, I don't know if that's a real number, if it's a realistic number, whatever it is. Like, you know, you hear some things about what people could make. Like, I don't think that's a ri- ridiculous number, or a ridiculous ask for someone like Terrence Shannon, who's one of the best guards in the country. If he returns, that that's why I would start thinking about it. Because what if I, what if I'm told I'm a top 45 pick, but I'm not, and I slip to 55, and I'm a two way player, and I've got a non guaranteed contract worth 500 grand, like. That, that's where it becomes interesting. So if I'm told, yeah, we're promising you number 34 we're taking. Like Caleb Houston mm-hmm. supposedly was told last year, number 32 we're taking you. Yeah, then you go. Um, it's just hard, man. Like these are these are interesting decisions because you can bet on yourself like Kofi did, and it could not work out. Uh, maybe it does eventually for Kofi. Um, or you could get it's advice that you're probably going to be a first-round pick in your I.O. and you slip to number 38. It's worked out for I.O., but there's some risk for them too. Yeah, and if Terrence had that slip where his starting point's kind of in that mid-30 range, if he yeah. slips similar to Io, now you get outside of top 40, down to 45, if that were to happen, and then that's a big difference where Io could fall out of the first round. Not that he didn't lose some money in that, but still yeah. got a guaranteed deal. That could be the, the cutoff line for Terrence to get that a guaranteed contract. All of a sudden, he's on a two-way. So, Because uh, maybe I, that team that says, hey, if you're there at 40 – we're taking it. Maybe somebody slips to them, like Io mm-hmm. did, and the Bulls are like, "Oh, we got to take this guy." Um, th- there's nothing in writing, right? Right. So I, more things as far as clarity will come, and there's different steps of this process, like the combine. Yep. I'll be curious to see. I would fully expect Terrence Shannon to get an invite to the NBA Combine. Will Coleman get to the NBA Combine or the G League Combine? I'm not sure. Uh, that'll be yet to be determined. But if he doesn't get uh, into the NBA Combine, I would really advise Coleman Hawkins to come back. Yeah, to pull out. Right. Um, then other guys will meet, at, regardless of what combine you go to, but yeah, I think it's a pretty good indication based on which one you get invited to is kind of how you're viewed, but you can meet individually with teams. I think for Terrence to meet individually with the, guy, the teams that are in that early second round, and then you can work out and kind of really get that intimate relationship and feedback on, on what they really feel about you, at least as far as what you can tell. Similar with Coleman, uh, there in that second round, and and that all that's got to play out. But yeah. I think it's I think it's pretty interesting that based on where or based on where Terrence is mocked, that Illinois is still operating on. There's a pretty darn good chance that he would come back, fifty um, fifty, maybe even a little bit better. Yeah, uh, we'll see about Coleman. I, I don't know. I, I think on the surface it makes a lot more sense for Coleman to come back as of right now, but. Maybe Terrence is more likely. I don't know. As of right now, I don't know. It's it's going to be fascinating to watch. These decisions for guys of this, like Musa Diabate last year, are, are just fascinating. Um, because the worst downside is you you play in Europe or whatever. For most of these guys, though, it's most likely you're getting a two-way contract uh, or playing overseas in a top league. 
making decent money just playing basketball and not going to school. So like there's so many things that go into this and some guys just want to pursue their dream. And I, I can't blame them for that. Some guys don't mind coming back now. And, and, and I think the NIL factor uh, is, is really big there. Um, we covered a lot of these questions um, about Coleman and all of that, but here's a really good one from Peter. Derek, do you think Illinois will keep running the spread offense and drop d- defense or will Underwood try to make a switch again this offseason? This is a big storyline because I, I don't know if they've made the, the right calls the last couple of years. Yeah, I agree. Um, they've had to do some midseason pivots. I, I would see if they get the caliber of point guard that they're planning on and you, you get someone that's dynamic as far as a playmaker, I think you run a lot of pick and roll again. I could go back to a a ball screen heavy offense not to say you can't do some spread if you want to if you'd like some different looks I just don't feel like Illinois was was that good in it and while some of these additions like uh, a Marcus Domask uh, even Gary A with the ability to step out a little bit maybe you're uh, a little bit more well equipped you get an older roster that has better feel for the game and anticipation in those things maybe you can get some some better execution in the spread I, I personally I like the the ball screen action if you can, if you can do it. I think they would do that if they even last year if, if you had a lot of trust in that point guard spot to get others involved and, and everything. Uh, I would like to see that. Ideally, I think if you get Coleman back, you play him at the four. If Coleman can uh, transition into a legit like pick and pop five, yeah. who can really shoot like a a thirty five percent from three, who can drive it a little bit and and kind of secondary create and obviously I mean Domas is a good passer uh, you can have Gary a play inside and out I'd like to see that pick and roll game I think that will be it if you get the point guard you want uh, defensively it'll depend on who's playing the five you're always going to play drop with Dane yeah I-, I think that last year they could have done a little bit more varying up their ball screen coverage when Coleman was at the five maybe they they blitz a little bit more if they can't if they have that look um, I'm sure they're evaluating everything and, and they wrap a lot of stuff in the summer, different looks, how they they execute and everything, and that all has to play out. But I definitely yeah. think offensively with a point guard, you, you'd want to play that ball screen offense. Michael says, this seems like the first of three incoming transfers that might be a starter. Thoughts? I would put Domask in there as well. I, I think Domask and, and Gary are certainly starters. Justin Harmon, if he's starting, it means you didn't get your point guard or Terrence Shannon's not coming back. Yeah, I'm in full agreement with you. I, I do think that Brad's going to let competition play yeah. itself out. Like, if Ty Rogers outplays Quincy Garrier during the offseason, I, I don't think it's out of the question. Like, say you get Coleman back, he's the five, and Ty's a better four than Garrier. I don't think you know Brad's going to hold back from starting Ty. Same thing with, like, if Luke Goody yeah. takes the steps forward and, and outplays Marcus Domas, I, I think that's within uh, the realm of possibility, too. And as I've kind of been thinking about it, like, if Dane's coming off the bench, if Sincere's coming off the bench, if Ty's coming off the bench, <laughs> yeah, that's three non-shooters. Now, look, we got a lot of time before you play your first basketball game, but Brad will have to think about that rotation-wise, yeah. and he might want to balance that. Maybe he puts one of those that I just mentioned, at Gary A or Damas in that second unit. I expect Harmon to be in the second unit, but at the surface, if you're trying to put your best five lineup out there, I think it includes Gary A and Damas. Yeah, if we're just going 20-plus-minute players – Domask and Guerriere on that. Yeah. Like, no no question uh, in my mind. Brad P. gets right to the point. Who's next? Whenever we have a, hey, this guy committed, it's who's next. I would imagine it's the point guard. 
is the next domino more so than the big man, Derek. Because like they can go for another big, but this is the big right that they've mm-hmm. they've added and now you wait for coleman hawkins to make his decision which should have mentioned this earlier may 31st is the ncaa deadline for those guys to come back the nba deadlines mid-june if you see that one but these guys have to make a decision by may 31st the combine is a weaker week and a half before that so we got another month before that those decisions are made so i think another if you're going to get a five man if coleman hawkins leaves then then you're looking at uh, probably after that, after he makes that decision. But um, whenever this this you know the transfer portal closes, May 11th. May 11th. So we might know who's at least in the portal of these NBA draft guys by then, Derek. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like that's the last day to get in, but you don't have to make your decision by then. So right. uh, we'll at least know the full pool of options by May 11th. So. Uh, I agree with you. I think the point guard clarity will come on that next in terms of the dominoes that fall. You got to be in a holding pattern, big man wise. With until Coleman decides on what he's going to do, I don't see you going out and making another ad. And, and you really can't sell that to somebody. Like you, you're pretty loaded up in the front court yeah. with someone sitting there saying, "Well, what if Coleman com- comes back? Where the heck am I going to play?" I think that's how it goes. And uh, there's not even necessarily a guarantee that. You maybe find the big man that has the the idea of like role and everything and is going to wait it out long enough for Coleman to make his decision. But I do think there'd be interest like we talked about. So yeah. uh, finally, let's – I hope we get to the point guard because I'm tired of teasing <laughs> it and speculating and all this guy, type of thing. Let, let's get that one done. Yeah, but we'll be speculating probably for two more weeks, um, yeah. you know, unless somebody decides to enter the portal here in, in the coming weeks. But I think we are safe because – we all have vacations in the next two weeks. I don't expect a point guard to commit before then. And I just jinxed us. Probably. Yeah. I mean, me going on vacation, I'm already fully expecting. I wouldn't say a commitment, but maybe a guy goes in the portal and then Illinois reaches out and it, yeah. it gets gets hot and heavy. It gets buzzy. You know, there's, there's a lot of buzz out there. So, yeah. uh, but we'll be prepared for it. I mean, we're ready for it if, if that were to happen. Um, I just having flashbacks of like poolside interviews in Vegas when Jeremiah Tillman got out of his letter of intent and uh, my wife and I, my my now wife and I were uh, trying to enjoy a little vacation. But last year I was in Vegas. Whenever we go to Vegas, man, it seems like uh, breaking news is going to happen. I was poolside at a day club, several drinks in when Terrence Shannon decided to, to commit. I think, I think you and Wagner might've done the uh, (laughs) the podcast on that one because I was in no position to do that. We might have, we might have. So. I will say, as far as what's next, I I got a little teaser. So uh, I'm I'm drinking Big Wave Gold Nail. I got one in my fridge right over here. Do you really? Yeah. So you have the player from Indiana. We wondered if you could get one from Indiana. You, you recruited one from Wisconsin. It hadn't been done in a long time. Brandon Podjemski. You finally got one from Canada. Can you believe that? Dustin, Dustin Ford, Ford <laughs> walked so this staff could run. That's right. um, now what's next? You've gone internationally, gone all over the place. We need someone from Hawaii. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, or uh, let's see. I mean, they've done. They've gotten the Caribbean. They've done Europe. Um, has they have they gotten anybody straight from Africa? Um, I don't think, I think so. so. I think most of those guys had already been here by then. 
Um, Asia? Could go like Japan or yeah, China. Let's, let's find our Tomonaga, man. Like, yeah, no doubt. Let's, let's find our Tomonaga. That's what we need to do. Yeah. Brad says he's not going to, you know, there's never, uh, let me just another Kofi out there. How about Yao Ming? <laughs> yeah. Get some Kofi connections while he's out there. I saw some, uh, True. I saw some, uh, he had some Instagram stories of, of people wearing his jersey over there, man. Like, he could kill if it. he plays to his full potential, he can be a full-fledged star over there. Yeah, yeah, he could do great. All right, I think that's going to wrap it up, Derek. Anything else we need to add? Uh, I guess I, I do want to point out this. The uh, evaluation period is going on, the spring evaluation period. It's weird, man. Prep recruiting is, is as we're talking about, it's still important when it comes to transfer recruiting, but you still want to build a program. Um, our boy Brandon Jenkins from 24-7 had an update on Cole Serta. Seems like that one's getting a little hot and heavy um, our friend Micah Shrewsbury at, at Notre Dame certainly has a great sell to a kid like that. Illinois very involved. Um, that's going to be interesting to watch this spring and summer, Derek. Yeah, that's a big one. And I know that Illinois has been pretty active for a while. And I think they would take him right now if they could get him. But it's going to be a fight. Like Notre Dame offered him early before Illinois did. I mean, I should say Shrewsbury staff when they were at Penn State offered him before Illinois did. Now they have put in – uh, another press, uh, another level of that once they've gotten to South Bend. I mean, the Andrew Funk cell in the Shrewsbury offense is, is pretty enticing, I would imagine, for Cole Serta. Like, the way that he ran guys off screens and, and just the offense that they uh, executed is, is pretty intriguing. I mean, Illinois, they have a pretty good cell, too, uh, close to home, and, and Illinois could use the shooting as you look forward and on this roster. And a lot of turnover that's going to happen after this season, too, so – uh, I think those two are probably the biggest players right now. I think Iowa, too, had frequent in his games. I know he talked about that in the update and took a recent visit there. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch. As far as beyond him, we got to see who else. Uh, I know they've been offering a couple new targets, and I'm going to actually write about a handful of guys the staff was out watching uh, this past weekend. There'll be another live period coming up this upcoming weekend, so another chance to really expand those lists and, and dive in on some people. Uh, Merez played decent. I, I watched some of his stuff down in Atlanta. Uh, a game or two with some foul trouble, but had some double-doubles. Uh, playing that five, now that James Brown's on a different team, I think that's his path forward. Yep. Really, as you look, high school, AAU, and then when he gets to Illinois, I think he's uh, probably mostly a five. Uh, can he get that jump shot consistent? Yep. Uh, there's been some times where he can kind of hit a turnaround, maybe in a little bit in the mid-range. He's got to get a lot more consistent <laughs> with that. And, and on that note, real quick, Trey McKinney on Main Streets, 2025. Dude. He's really, really good. Uh, playing up with the 17U out of Michigan. You hope he takes the same path as Ty Rogers did. Tim Anderson recruiting him hard, but so is Michigan. So is Michigan State. Uh, but, yeah, keep keep uh, tabs on the line on choir for some more recruiting nuggets. Uh, I love Brad. So our point guard is from Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. All right, one and last one, Derek. Got it. Uh, one last one. Big week for us as Bears fans. Aaron Rodgers is gone. I'm ready for Jordan Love to break our cheers. hearts. <laughs> yeah, we should be cheers in that for sure. Uh, I'm expecting Aaron Rodgers, um, even though he left Green Bay, they have Hall of Fame quarterbacks in our lifetimes. But uh, not 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 unhappy to see him uh, leave Green Bay. Uh, Detroit now owns this division, apparently. But our Bears have a big draft ahead. We drafted number nine, have a couple second rounders, early third rounder. Uh, who the Bears take at number nine? I'll let Derek go with this one first. I was going to say, I, I, I'm going to tip my cap to you, let you take the lead. I think it's a tackle. 
I, yeah. I expect your football knowledge to, to be able to break this down better than I would, but is it going to be an offensive tackle? Yeah, I think they'd like to trade down a few spots. Maybe we could trade with Green Bay, and they can get their JSN if they want at, at number nine, make sure they can get him, and maybe leap uh, Houston uh, to get him. And uh, then we I can take. Him do that. Then I, I, it's just I wonder among those tackles, like I, I like Peter Skaronsky a lot. If you don't think he's a tackle, I can understand why you wouldn't want him. But I just think he's going to be uh, a really good pro. Like I think he's going to be a good starter. And for us, like I don't know if I need to plan out my. I need to worry too much about my 2023 offensive line. I'm worried about my 24, 25, 26 offensive line for Justin Fields. So I would still potentially take him. But if they like Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones or Darnell Wright, maybe get another pick, whether it's early third, mid second, uh, and add another player because I, you just we just need so many starters. Like I don't know if you're going to get a Hall of Famer in this draft at number nine, but if you can just get good starters, like three or four of them from this draft, I think that'd be huge. And it's it's got to be a lot of offensive and defensive linemen, but I think it's going to be a tackle, Derek, because. If you're trying to draft a tackle in the second or third round, like there's a big drop off after that top tier. So I do think uh, offensive tackle is the most likely, but not, then we'll probably see him draft a corner or a defensive. Like there's not a lot of ways they go here. Where I'm like too upset about it. Like they're not drafting a quarterback, and they're probably not drafting Bijan Robinson. But if they draft a defensive lineman, a defensive back, or an offensive lineman, or Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'd, I'd be fine with it. Don't let Smith and Jigba go there to Green Bay. And I, I still have my doubts about Jordan Love, but Christian Watson looks pretty darn good. And really uh, that would be a scary tandem, putting those two together. But uh, if we can get a tackle and he's not Mark Colombo, I'm going to be all good. <laughs> yeah, we, have, we don't have a great history of drafting first-round tackles. Like, no. Chris I don't think Williams. we have a great history of drafting first round, period. Chris Williams was another one. Uh, yeah, good call. Not very good. But, Gabe Karimi. Oh. Protect your future. Maybe we got some of Braxton Jones. He, he looked pretty decent last year and uh, solidified that other side. Whether he's going to play left, move Jones to right, or uh, leave leave Jones there. But I like the idea of tackle. And then yeah, we need we need help up front defensively too. Yeah, we need help everywhere. So like, I'm not going to be too like. I think we got to watch like the first five rounds uh, before we make huge, uh, you know, huge. I guess decisions about what this is, but they're not fixing an entire team in one draft. Like they still need, and that's why they got another first rounder from Carolina, which I'm hoping is another top 10 pick. Uh, and if you have two more top 15 picks next year, maybe your future left tackle is in that draft. So uh, just get talent, get the best talent. I don't care who it is, what position he plays. All right, Derek Piper. Thanks for hopping on late at night. Enjoy your Kona a beer and we will figure out who the Hawaii guy is. That's coming to Illinois. Sounds good. All right, everybody, thank you for watching on the live YouTube channel. Give us a like on your way out. Subscribe to us. Uh, hit the notifications bell as well. That really, really helps us out. And follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the latest at IlliniInquire.com. we got lots more content coming with the NFL Draft, with uh, spring football wrapping up, spring football recruiting, and, of course, Derek Piper on the spring evaluation period for basketball as well. Everybody, have a great night. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.
It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. 